0: Welcome to another episode of the Truth Be Told podcast. Today, we're gonna to hear from Cassandra, who's from Granite City, Illinois. And we're gonna hear a powerful story about how God supernaturally intervened in her life and completely transformed her into a new person. This reminds me of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. And so I'd like to read this to you real quick before we get into the episode. It reads, "'Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, He is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And so that's exactly what you're gonna hear in this episode, is God's love, his transformational power and his love being poured upon Cassandra's heart and transforming her into a new person. And so we hope that this episode blesses you and encourages you in your faith, because this word is true. So no matter what you're going through, may God help you, your valleys, and bring you out of it, and transform you into a new person. The sooner I forget them on camera, the better. Yeah. All right. Okay, here we are, the okay. Truth Be Told podcast. Yes. Cassandra, thank you for joining us. Nice to meet you. Hmm? I mean, I already know you, but yeah. nice to be here. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we know each other, don't we? Yes, absolutely. So I met Cassandra um, at church, actually, the first time I was ever at this church, and you shared your testimony, and it blew me away. It blew me away. And, you know, because of this podcast, because it's a podcast where we just talk with regular people. Right. Um, like I said, you're not selling a book. You're not going on tour. Um, you're just a person that lives in. <clears throat> where do you live at?
1: Granite City. Granite
0: City, yes. Illinois, right? <laughs> yes. And uh, God, does God move in
1: Granite City, Illinois? God definitely moves in Granite yes. City. There's nowhere God does not move. Amen.
0: Amen. <laughs> All right, cool. So, uh, again, thank you for being here. Mm-hmm. Um, if you could share with us maybe... Uh, where you grew up with, where you grew up at in, in early childhood?
1: Yeah, so I grew up in smaller towns, rural areas. Um, always been in Illinois uh, my whole life. Um, my father was actually a pastor, so oh. we actually moved around a lot. Um, but it was always usually smaller towns of about twelve hundred. And um, I just grew up a really simple life as a pastor's daughter.
0: No kidding. Yeah. Mom and dad were both at home?
1: Mom and dad were both at home. I had a really good childhood. I had a Mm. really good upbringing. Um, Of course, growing up in church, you do all the things. I was going to ask you you about that. Yeah, you do all the things, the youth groups, the... You know, the, all the church events, the um, anything happening if those church doors were open, I was yeah. definitely there and very involved, and mm. I loved my childhood. I'm very grateful for my family and having that upbringing. Wow,
0: praise 100%. the Lord. 100%. How often were you in church? You think, like, you know, on average?
1: On average, every Sunday, Wednesday night, for every wedding my dad did, yeah. for every church function, um, I was there every time those church doors were open. Church so, was life. Church was my life, and I can absolutely say that I'm thankful for that because I feel like today it's a lot of who I am. Just mm. you know, my my love for people and my kindness and my heart. So I just feel like that's embedded in me. Just growing up in that lifestyle, you carry it with you.
0: That's so good.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: that's so good and so mm-hmm. you moved around mm-hmm. um, you know okay so let me just say you know how about when you were in let's say high school let's just start in high school age or when did things change for you as far as like you started really coming into your own when you know where like faith became yours or maybe you moved away from the faith
1: okay so I was baptized at I think 12 okay. and in my heart I, I believed in the Lord, and I, I wanted to surrender my life to Him. And when I got baptized, I definitely knew what I was doing. Okay. I believed in Jesus. Um, I wanted to dedicate my life to Him. So it was very authentic and real for mm. me to do that. Unfortunately, you know, moving out of 12 years old into junior high and high school, there's temptation, and, and you hang out with the wrong crowd. And, and then so I kind of pushed that That love for Christ and that wanting to surrender for Him and live for Him to the side, Mm -hmm. and I kind of fed into the lies of the world, like you know, the this is what'll really make you happy and the partying and you know and all that. So, um, my junior Mm. high years and my high school years, I'd say, I really started to drift away.
0: Yeah, what's that look like drifting away? If you don't mind,
1: man, it's just a dark, uh, just a dark path. It's just. Getting, you know, fed into the lies that this world has to offer and, and you know, just walking away and saying, I'm going to do it my way. yeah. And I don't want held down. I remember loving God so much, but I didn't want pinned down. I've always mm. had this thing with authority. Yes. Like, don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me how to live my life. And so it turned into you know, I love God, but then I saw rules and Mm. regulations because I didn't really know that personal relationship with God. I didn't know him as a friend. I didn't know that he was going to love me anyway. So I felt like I had to live certain standards and be this perfect person to have God. And so when it got to the point to where I was out there drinking and partying, and I started picking up drugs and, you know, just doing little teenage stuff that you think is innocent, I was pushing God away more and more because I thought, God wouldn't want me like this. God's never going to love me doing these things. So it just made it darker. It made me push him away more out of guilt and out of shame. Yeah.
0: So at that point, you said Jesus was not a a person that you could have a relationship with that was close to you. It was more like a church. It was more more
1: like like a church. It was more like religion. Religion. It was more like, okay, this is what... There was something true about it in my heart. I believed it. But I didn't really know the extent of it. I just knew religion, and I didn't know, like, Jesus Christ comes and lives inside of you, and you live with the Holy Spirit, and you have a helper and a friend every day who gets you through your struggles and out of those hard times. And um, So I didn't know it like that. I just knew it as a religion, as, okay, I'm saying this, and I'm baptized because... I want to go to heaven. Yeah. I don't want to go to hell, right? Mm. But I did believe. I believed in Christ. I always have, and I've. I would have always died for my faith. Yeah. But I just didn't know the extent of it. I didn't know what the true gospel was, and I. It, it's just so much more than just, you know, saying a prayer. Um, it's a lifestyle, and it's um, a relationship.
0: I feel yeah. like we hear about that all the time. Mm-hmm. Really, you know, yeah. like. People believe in Jesus Christ, uh, but it becomes it becomes more legalistic. It becomes more rule based, and you're following what the command says, but it hasn't really affected your heart um, in the sense of that deep closeness with the Lord. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. All right. So you started rebelling, right? And uh, going out partying, doing some drinking, innocent fun.
1: Innocent fun. Did you ever
0: get caught by your mom or dad?
1: Innocent fun. Um, oh, yeah. They caught me all the time. There was points where they were drilling my windows closed yeah. and putting alarms on the door. You know, when you push the door up and ding, ding, the alarms go off. They tried their hardest. Bless their heart. Yeah. The more that
0: they tried. The faster I ran yeah. and the
1: harder I pushed against yeah. them, for sure. Gosh, it's, um,
0: that's part of us. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of us that are like that. I mean, most of us that rebel in, rebel in yeah. us. Yeah. I mean, we want to run. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that didn't work. So that you're, you're getting work. out of the house anyway. Absolutely not. All right. Um, Where did you end up graduating from high school at?
1: I didn't graduate from high school. Okay. I would say that's how quickly my teenage years went downhill. Okay. Um, you know, junior high, I started wanting to drink and party, and then school was out the window. Mm. I didn't care about graduating. I didn't care about school, academics. All of that was out the window. Wow. I actually dropped out my freshman year of high school. I didn't make it first my through my first quarter of my freshman year. Wow. So, yeah, it was that bad. That is so amazing. It's like, you know, when you, you
0: hear these things, like, you have no idea the person you're talking to is not the person that I used to be. Exactly. Right? And so I'm, I'm, I've known you for now for, you know, like two years, and I just, it's like, wow. Mm-hmm. I just can't see that, you know? Right.
1: You would think, she at least has a high school education. Nope, I don't. Yeah. Hey, that's okay. I don't. I
0: mean, you're, you're here. So, I mean, okay, so you didn't graduate high school. No. did you? How long did you stay with your mom and dad living in the house?
1: so i stayed with them till i was like 17 and then i ended up just running away at that point i ran away from home and kind of just lived with different people would find you know boyfriends and stay with them for a while and that wouldn't work out and move on to the next one and
0: Mm. so i was
1: out of the house by 16 17 around that time doing my own thing doing it my way (laughs) which isn't the right way but i was doing it my way yeah
0: um so i kind of know where the story goes Now, our listeners don't, but can you help paint for us just a little picture of how that, um, you know, how you went from moving from house to house to eventually getting to where, you know, you got addicted and things like that?
1: Right. So, I, you know, everything, I think, is a gateway because it's never enough you know, you drink a little bit and you really like it and you like the party scene and you eventually want more. Mm-hmm. It's like the drinking and the, going to the bar isn't enough anymore. So what else am I doing? What are they doing in the bathroom? Or what are they mm-hmm. doing to have it extra, a little extra more fun? And then so I would start to maybe snort some cocaine or take pills or, you know, things like that. And then I was doing that for a while and then eventually full-blown alcoholism just yeah. took over.
0: Now, were you drinking, like, what was the first thing you did, like, as far as, like, you know, say, intoxicants? Do you remember?
1: Probably drinking.
0: Probably, probably drinking? Yeah, probably yeah.
1: drinking a little bit of weed, and then probably a couple years of that, and I was, you know, a full-blown alcoholic who was drinking a fifth of vodka every single day. Yeah. Every day.
0: Hey, John, can you pause that? Mm-hmm. I feel like alcohol, you know, they say, it's, they, they like to say is a gateway drug, but I really feel like alcohol is a gateway drug. Yeah. Right.
1: Absolutely. I mean, you know, when I was drunk on alcohol, that's when I was the most tempted to try the harder stuff. Yeah. And so after, you know, a few years of alcoholism, drinking every day, um, eventually that's what happened. I ended up getting with one of the fathers of my children and he was a meth addict. And so um, the drinking and partying with him and watching him get high, I was tempted and then I tried it myself. Yeah.
0: Wow. But, like, you didn't used to be an alcoholic, you know, so, like, you used to, you know, drink for, probably for fun, and then, mm-hmm. what happened, you know, because I, I just imagine, you know, teenage years, early 20s, people go out to a bar, they go to a friend's house, and they're binge drinking, playing drinking games, or watching, you know, drinking like that, I mean, um, what was it like for you, you know?
1: You know, I'm going to be honest with you, I was empty inside, I've, I searched my whole life trying to fill this void. And I was empty and I was searching for something and I didn't know what Mm. and I was numb. I've always wanted to be numb and that Mm. was my thing for so long even as a teenager. I didn't know why but I'd never wanted to deal with reality. I didn't want to go to school. I wanted to party and then I realized I like to feel numb. I don't want to feel and so the the alcohol it was a no brainer, right? You're doing it for fun, you're doing it at parties on the weekends and then I'm like, oh my gosh, I could be numb every day. Oh yeah. I can wake up every day and, and go run to the gas station and get a fountain drink and everyone's gonna think I'm drinking Mountain Dew, but really I have a whole pint and, you know, a Red Bull in there and no one'll ever know. And it got to the point where I drank for so long I would go to my kids' um, you know, the schools to you know, talk with the teachers and I would had to fit the vodka and they would have no clue. I just mm. do some mouthwash. But i I would honestly say that that's what it was i didn't want to face reality and then you know after so long you're destroying your life Mm -hmm. you're neglecting your kids you're not working you're a failure you're i'm I'm running from you know my faith and so it's just easier to just keep absorbing it and just staying intoxicated so you don't have to deal with the reality and then before you know it i mean it's, it's an addiction so i would get shaky i wouldn't feel good um And, you know, I would, my body would crave it and more than just mentally, but physically crave it. So it was just a full blown alcohol, alcoholism and an addiction that I struggled with for probably three, four years. Wow.
0: Yeah. You know, (laughs) and I'm just sitting here and I'm hearing this, you know, Mm -hmm. and I I talk to a bunch of different people, but it's like, it's almost like you ran from your parents. You ran from, you know, the, the moral teaching, you know, they were trying to raise you in and you want to be a rebel on your own self. And then you, you go down that path and you you start feeling maybe bad, maybe for maybe the decisions you made. And you're like, I don't want those either. Mm-hmm. So then you numb it. So it's almost like you're in control all the time. Right. You know, and then so you end up getting numb. Yeah. Uh, and then you said that led to... Hard drugs. Hard drugs. Hard drugs.
1: Because when you're when you're drinking and you're in that environment, you're only putting yourself around other people who are, of course, I'm not going to go find a man who's sober and living a good, healthy, happy life and has goals. And, you know, I'm going to be hanging out with people who are doing what I'm doing. And then, you know, of course you hang out with those people and it's not just alcohol. Maybe they're doing other things. And then you're tempted to try that too, which is absolutely what happened to me. I got with, um, one of the fathers of my kids, and he was into hard drugs, and, you know, eventually watching him do it, it looked fun, and I wanted to try it, too. And I have a very addictive personality, mm. so, you know, at that point in my life, if I saw someone doing something, I wanted to try it. And if it looked like they were having a good time, then it was going to be a good time for Cassandra. Yeah, So yeah. Yeah.
0: Dang, okay, so you do mm-hmm. meth for the first time, and that was last time you did it?
1: mm mm-hmm. No, no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Um, you know, so I, I picked it up and then that's whenever it, it was crazy because I wasn't able to stop drinking until I became a meth addict. Yeah. <laughs> that was the only thing that Trade got me to put the, the bottle down and that's because I just traded one addiction for the other. So the thing is, my family saw me quit drinking, so there was a moment where they were kind of happy for me, oh. like, oh, my gosh, has Cassandra finally figured it out? You know, we haven't seen her boozing it up in a while. Like, is she finally putting the alcohol down? And I would brag about it. I'd be like, I'm not drinking, you know. I'm Be proud of me, yeah. and, you know. But literally, I was in the bathroom, you know, snorting, you know, meth at first and whatever else, and then eventually I started shooting it up, and that's when it really... Went downhill, and I had a good probably ten years of meth amphetamine addiction, intravenous needle use, mm. and it completely destroyed my life. I lost my children at you know one point. I was living on the street. I mean, I have hours and hours of um, just stories, you know, of, of my life and how I was living when I was on meth. It was a horrible wow. situation.
0: Well, let me ask you because like I said, I've never, I've never done, I've done some things. I've definitely done some some different drugs. Mm. I've never done meth. Right. Um, and what's that, like, what is the allure to that? Like, what what is it about it that makes people, is it just that addicting? You know, does it, is it, it's an upper, it's right? It's
1: definitely an upper. Um, that was one thing with me. I never did any downers. It was always more of an upper thing for me. And it just gave, it gave me energy. It numbed me kind of like alcohol. I didn't face reality. As soon as I got high, reality was gone. Um, mm. Everything is highlighted kind of when you're on meth. So I felt prettier. Life felt better. I don't know. I can't explain it. It it just magnifies everything times a thousand, you know, like no matter what you're doing, it magnifies it. Even if you're cleaning your house, you get joy from cleaning your house because it's a hundred times better and you have the energy to do it. And so I don't know. I just felt like it woke me up. It it numbed me from reality and what was really happening. And it magnified everything that I was doing, even if. It was a fake lie, but in my reality, being high, I liked it. Even yeah. though it wasn't the truth, I, I liked in that moment the numbness and the just yeah. being high. I guess. And then,
0: like when you weren't on it, I mean, now life isn't magnified times a hundred. Mm-hmm. You know, does it does that have a big time effect on you just mentally?
1: Because I'm high on the Holy Spirit. Yeah, well, (laughs) and that's the thing for me. I when I was reborn again.
0: Uh, Well, I meant back then. Oh, back then. Oh, I know now. I know now, girl. Yeah, I'm telling you, I know now. I mean,
1: of course, I would crave it if I didn't have it. I would do whatever it takes. I mean, there was you know times where I was selling my body. There was times where I was, you know, I would steal from people or you know um, do whatever I had to get it.
0: That much? You wanted that bad?
1: I wanted it that bad.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right, and then so you went from snorting it to shooting it up. Again, like a lot of people that probably, I, I, I'm hoping I'm praying that people that have experienced this addiction and maybe they're in now, they're gonna hear your story and they're gonna resonate with everything you're saying, and I believe that. Um, and the, but then you got people that have never done this before, mm-hmm. right? So you got, but you got like, what causes somebody to go from snorting it to, because I'm interested, going from snorting it to shooting it up?
1: More of an intense high, because um, like I explained, it's never enough. You know uh, yeah. like when you go eat even the simple things in life you go eat one donut you're like ah what's one more yeah. you know that one looks good too i want the long john you know it's like you're never satisfied so there's like this aching of more 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 so if you're snorting it you're like okay this is good after a while you're like you get a am- what's the word um not immune but you have a tolerance you build oh, yeah. up a tolerance so when you by injecting it into your veins it's more of a rush it's a faster rush it hits you harder and it was to the point where i'd snorted it for probably a year or so or smoked it and then i wanted more because Mm -hmm. you know your tolerance builds it's a never-ending cycle of feeding this dark demon that's living inside of you that comes along with it and i really i want to be honest and say and i you know even when i've given my testimony in the past i've never really made this clear there was a demon attached to me when I picked that up Mm. and I didn't know it until I got delivered from it. Praise God. But there was a taunting every day. There was a taunting at me and it was a, it wasn't a voice, but it was a taunting. Like, you know, you got to get high. You, You need more, you need more. And it was like, there was a demon or something attached to me that taunted me and it wouldn't matter if I was putting the jeopardy of my children on the line, my relationships on the line, the people that I loved. There was times when I was this close to going to prison or getting caught by the police with you know tons of drugs on me and somehow I would slip through the cracks and, and I know who that was now, but it didn't matter. And It didn't matter. I've almost died. I've been in the hospital with heart problems. Um, You know, from Hmm. infection in my heart valves from shooting up and it did not matter. There was this taunting inside of me that just wanted more. And no matter how close I would come to death, no matter how if I would lose my children, no matter how disappointed my family was, no matter how close I was to losing it all, there was just this taunting inside of me of you got to get high, Cassandra. You need more. You need more. Who cares? Nothing else matters. And I would just have to feed it. And if I didn't feed it, it wouldn't shut up. And that's the only thing that would quiet it was, you know, continuing to get high no matter what the stake was or what the cost was. So
0: there was something else there. There was,
1: that was... 100% something else there. Wow. I opened the door to... When I picked up hard drugs, I opened the door to allow something very dark inside of me Mm. that I feel like lived. I don't know if it lived in me or if it was attached to me, but there was definitely a dark spirit.
0: Yeah, the Bible makes a well. The the Bible actually doesn't make a distinction. It says when it comes to demons that people can become demonized. Yeah. The word uh, demonized, you know. So there's you hear the word like possession. Mm -hmm. Possession means to be absolutely possessed, like it's in possession of your body. Now that's not always the case. Sometimes people become oppressed, right? Where Mm -hmm. where it's like they're harassing you, influencing you, tormenting you all the time. That's why, um, again, like Christians, for example, the question might be, you know, as a Christian, can you be possessed? I would say Mm -hmm. no, Mm -hmm. because you're possessed by the Holy Spirit. Right. You're sealed, and He's He's in you, whether or not you're listening to Him or not. But Christians can be oppressed. Right. They can be. Absolutely. You know, and uh, that'd be demonized and mm-hmm. wow, that does, that does sound like it. It mm-hmm. sounds like you were absolutely oppressed by demonic yep. activity. Yep. So you mentioned a, a couple minutes ago about, you know, a bunch of stories. You said you got an hour worth of stories mm. and could you just share with us one that might come to mind that might just shed some, some, some light into those dark areas where you today was like, wow, I just, I can't believe that I went through that.
1: You know, I, Honestly, I feel like when I almost died in the hospital. Okay. I that always to me because in my mind I was like looking at it now sober and living for God, looking at it outside of the box, even though it was my life, I still kind of look at it as the past. I'm I'm a whole new creation today. I'm not that person anymore. That's the past to me. Yes. It's my testimony That's and right. I own it to bring, you know, Christ's glory. Amen. But looking at it now, I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, Amen. I um Was shooting up intravenous needle use, and I would, uh, I was so addicted to drugs that I was staying in a hotel, and it was probably a $30 a night room, Mm. and it was the dirtiest hotel, who knows who had stayed in these rooms before, so dirty, and I had had a little bit of meth left, and I'll never forget, and I set it on the back of a toilet. And I was wearing a jacket or something, and I was getting it all ready with the water and getting it ready to shoot up. And as I turned, I knocked it all on the floor. And it was the last of the Mohegans. And so when you're a junkie, you're like, oh, my gosh, that's the last of it. And I remember looking down at the floor, and there being hair and dirt and and scum and mildew. And just Mm -hmm. from years of it being a disgusting, you know, crack hotel basically and I remember something inside of me saying don't do it don't pick that up don't do it and me being you know an addict and it's such full-blown addiction I didn't care that that these drugs were on the floor with scum and dirt and nastiness I picked it up I put it back into my spoon and I injected it into my body Mm. and the normal person in their right mind would be like, absolutely not. Absol- There's no way that syringe is going anywhere near me. There's no way I would touch that. Most people wouldn't have been in that hotel to begin with, with a sober mind. But here I am not only staying there, but shooting up drugs off of this floor. So that put me in the hospital. And even though my conscience at the time said, Cassandra, don't do this, do not do this, I still did it because that's the hold the drugs had on me. Oh, that's that's the hold that it had on me, that I didn't care. I rationalized. There was a second where I was like, Cassandra, this could kill you. Cassandra, this could be your last one because that's gross down there, and you Mm. shouldn't be injecting that into your body. So I did it anyway, of course, because that's the hold that it had on me. I just absolutely did not care. Within a week, I had a fever of like 105. They kept sending me to the emergency room. I did not know. They couldn't figure out what it was. You know, come to find out after my mom saved my life while she found me on, you know, a floor and I called her telling her mom, I'm going to die. You got to come get me. And she come to save my life. Bless her heart. They rushed me to a hospital. I had infection in my heart valve. I I had endocarditis, and my lungs were full of blood from shooting up. And and I'm assuming it was probably from off of that dirty bathroom floor. Um, It almost killed me. But in that moment, even the reasoning in my mind, knowing it was wrong, the addiction had such a hold on me, I did not care. I took it. I injected it in my veins, and it almost cost me my life. Hmm. And I feel like looking back, laying in the hospital, I was in there for like a week. They didn't even know how I survived it. Fun fact, not fun, but true story. Whenever they tried to put me under so they could put, check my heart, the, the drugs that they put in me would not put me under. And yeah. I had every doctor in the hospital stumped. They were like, that should put down an elephant. Wow. What we just injected into your body should have put down the elephant. I was like a science experiment to them. I had doctors just standing over me. like They, they thought it was insane that yeah. w- they that should have put an elephant out. And they're trying to put me under to check my heart. And I'm all just looking at them, <laughs> staring at them. And they're like, what? They were mind blown. Yeah. So that just shows you. The, the amount of drugs that I was doing mm-hmm. and how 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 much of an effect that it has on your body to where the doctors can't even put you under and sedate you to do what they need to do to save your life. yeah and That's a scary moment. And I was in the hospital for a week, and I laid there. The only one that came to visit me was my mom, and um, they had to take me out of town to a, a carl clinic in champagne because the hospital close to our house couldn't help me because it was so bad so you know my mom came to visit me once or twice but honestly she's the only one i burnt my bridges Mm. with everybody no one cared anymore Mm. and uh, Mm. i remember nurses coming in and they'd say you're so beautiful nobody's coming to see you nobody's coming for you and nurses were just flabbergasted i was younger and they were like you're so pretty no one's here for you and you know and my mom came, blessed her heart, once or twice, but other than that, I was in there for over a week in the ER, in the emergency room for over a week, which tells you a lot. Yes. Um, and, and you would have thought that would have been my wake-up moment. You would have thought laying there, having over a week of just being kind of just basking in what you've done to yourself yeah. and how sick you truly are. I mean, you've got doctors looking over you like mind-blown because they can't sedate you. You have... Um, you know, your lungs filled with water, I mean, with fluid, um, which was so painful. And just the, what I went through in that hospital was so traumatizing. And it was not a wake-up call. It was not a wake-up call. And I think looking back, that is still to this day when I kind of take into grasp everything. Just in that couple weeks, I'm like, I still did drugs after that. Mm. I still left that hospital. They put a pick line in me because I needed to leave the hospital and I had to do another month of antibiotics. This is how bad it was. They couldn't even give me enough antibiotics the week I was in the emergency room. They had to put a PIC line that went directly to my heart and send me home with my own antibiotics to feed myself for the next month because I was so sick. And I left that hospital and within the first week of leaving the hospital, no matter how hard I tried, no matter how close I came to death, no matter how much disappointment I saw on my mom's face, I injected drugs into my pick line, oh. and they told me before I left. They said, "Cassandra, we're trusting you. You, you, you This is a direct line to your heart. If there's anything oh, that you're putting in your pick line, anything foreign, it's a direct line. It could kill you instantly." And I still, it took a probably four or five days, and I was putting drugs into my pick line valve and pressing the, the, the fluid and the drugs up into me. So, I just felt like looking back. Anyone in their right mind, like that, should have been a wake-up call. Yes, that should have been that aha moment of, oh my gosh, mm. what am I doing? I'm, you know, in the emergency room. They can't sedate me. My mom's disappointment. I disappointed him. I was this close to losing my life. I'm covered in track marks. Everyone's given up on me. Mm. And you think that would have been a wake-up moment, but it wasn't. And and I, into this day, that's how I know because there was this taunting do more Cassandra, do more. It was like this taunting and I, and I just fed into it. Wow. I fed into it.
0: Oh man. Okay. So before we get into how you got set free,
1: mm.
0: yeah. can you, can you just give a word of encouragement, encouragement to mothers or family members that maybe are, you know, cause your mom never gave up on you like your mom was there in the hospital she could have mm. she could have said you know what you've turned your back on us you've you, you know you've ruined your life you know you're an embarrassment to the family whatever she could have just not came up and never just didn't go to the hospital for you so could you give maybe a word to to encourage maybe family members that are dealing with a son or a daughter that's struggling with drug addiction
1: don't enable them but love them anyway um, don't give up on them continue to pray for them um, continue to love them and and you know hear their cries when they're crying out for help I mean Lord knows if my mom wouldn't have came in that moment if she didn't take me serious when I told her mom look when I was laying on the floor and I literally was dying wow. she, she took me serious and she came to get me at that point this had been 10 years I'm I'm a grown woman in my mid-30s like She could have very easily like Cassandra. I don't want to hear it. Like Cassandra, I've been down this road. I'm, you know. But she came, and it's because of her. I believe I'm, you know, alive today. She came and she saved my life, and she rushed me to the
0: hospital. You would not be here today, right now. Right. You would not have the story to share if she just said, you know what, you you deal with it yourself. You could have died.
1: Yeah. And my mom never gave up on me, and all my other family did, which they're, you know, bless their heart. I love them to death. But my mom held on. Mm. my mom held on and I'm so grateful for that and I you know it really it did a full circle and I don't think a lot of people know this but when I grew up in church and then I steered off got on drugs went down my own dark path when I turned 18 my dad retired from ministry mm-hmm. he had a falling out with the church he had been burnt by religion so my dad bless his heart he becomes a truck driver and because of the hurt that my mom and dad had experienced from the church they steered away from the faith. Yeah. So my whole addiction from 18 till mid 30s all the way up they're they're no longer going to church, they're no longer serving the Lord. Mm. Um they're no longer, you know, involved with church at all. I mean, yeah. do they still believe in God? Yes, but they're they're not serving, they're not going, you know, they don't there's Total no relationship change. there. There's yeah. no relationship there. And um so whenever You know, my mom came and found me that day. I went through, you know, years, more addiction. That was definitely not the story. I struggled for more years. Um, You struggled for years
0: after that? For years
1: after I came out of the hospital. What was it, a couple more years? I think I had two or three more years, maybe three or four. (laughs) But I'm still, you know, using drugs and, you know, living on the street and off and on just prostitution and selling myself and just yucky Whatever it takes to get that drug. Whatever it takes. Um, but you know, my, Mm. my family, they steered away from the faith. So when I found the Lord, when Jesus saved me, which I won't get too into it because I know that right now is not the exact moment to touch that. But I told my mom and I told, you know, I, look, I found Jesus, drugs is over with. And so at that point they saw my testimony and my story and they saw me struggle for 12 years with, with needle addiction and alcoholism. And then they saw Jesus Christ changed me. Yes, and now they're in the faith. Come they're on. back in church.
0: Come on, they're
1: you know my my brother-in-law last Sunday just was up there and did a sermon. My dad does communion. He's an elder. Wow. My mom leads Sunday morning worship. Praise the Lord. And only Jesus Christ. And this is you know the 15 years of them not having anything to do with Christ, anything to do with church, after them seeing my testimony and what Christ did for me because let me tell you what Jesus Christ did for me only he could have done yes. and it was a no-brainer for my family <laughs> like oh my lord what have we been doing yes. because Christ is there and he's He's calling us in and when they seen they knew it was only God and it was like that wake-up call for them like oh my gosh what have we done we've steered away we've been running from him and this whole time we should have been serving him and living for him look, look what he's done look what he's done mm. for her and it took some time but but you bear that fruit when you're you know you're living for Christ and you're really saved and delivered you bear that fruit and it wasn't you know probably a year later they're like okay okay they you know i would come to the family functions they're like oh she's different they're like, this she's is not real. the same person yes. and i kept telling my mom and she took me serious i, I remember i was probably um, saved for a couple months and i called my mom up and i said mom you don't know god like i do and that was hard to say wow. because she was a pa- pre- preacher's yeah. wife preacher's daughter she grew up, led church, did all the church stuff. You know, it was a pastor's wife. So it, it was hard for me to say that. Yeah. And she's like, Sandra, I was baptized at 16. I was a preacher's kid. I, I I pastored with your dad for 18 years. Don't tell me I don't know Christ. I said, Mom, you don't know Christ like I know yeah. Christ. And so she took me serious, and then she did her own seeking and praying. And then she found... He visited her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. she yeah she had her encounter let's yeah. put it like that and then by her bearing the fruit and her having that encounter and her realizing like that aha moment like uh-oh i only knew religion yes. i didn't ever know him as my king i didn't yes. wake up every morning and say he's my lord you know i wasn't in, you know so by her bearing that fruit her being reborn again the whole it trickle it was like a trickle effect he, he got the whole family the whole family and now the the whole they're basically there was a church going under COVID hit them hard right in their area and now my family's basically picking that church up off the ground by the strength of God. Mm. My God is using them to minister and elder and, and and worship and and they're bringing youth and kids in. I mean my family's huge. My brother and sister lives there with all their kids. They all moved to Branson, Missouri. So and that's where they live and they're they're in branson god, in branson yeah. yeah and god has them there's this church going under from COVID, and he sent my you know god sent my family in and it's a big one because <laughs> you know you gotta imagine
0: that's it's, so amazing you and know he's using like, them this just every time i hear stories like this it yeah. just blows my mind yeah. you know like, yeah. Only yeah. God, only, only god only god well i'm telling you i bet people are really waiting to hear what could have changed Cassandra, how, how could you go from years and years of addiction, the lowest of lows, uh, you know, being oppressed by a demon, literally running away? What happened to change your life?
1: You know, I'll say this, and 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 I feel like people are always like, oh my gosh, I'm high. I can't talk about God right now. Or, oh, I'm on drugs. I, I shouldn't go to church in this state. I'd say, I think that's absolutely wrong. I, I feel like God came for us while we're sick. He came yes. for us to save us, and that's exactly what he did for me. And, uh, you know, after 12-plus years of the alcoholism and the drug addiction, I will tell you this. When Jesus Christ found me, I was in what I would call drug oasis of everything's amazing, right? I had a place to stay. I had my kids. I um, Everything was great. I had a little person who was supplying me with my drugs every day so in my mind everything's perfect right like I had manageable m- it was manageable even though i was throwing <laughs> my life away risking my life by putting a needle in my arm every day risking m- my kids and losing them and or going to jail driving around with it there was so many factors i mean come on it's not healthy it's not a healthy lifestyle it was killing me yeah um but in my mind in that moment it would have been the perfect situation yeah how being on drugs and how everything was around me grade a certified exactly what i would have been looking yeah. for i was very I content in my in my state where yeah. i was um so actually i was high one day i'm not gonna lie i was high on drugs mm-hmm. and i was out back sunbathing and i was listening to rap and hip-hop and not the Christian kind, okay? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I was listening to all the things ungodly, and I was laying out back, minding my own business. I'm going to be honest with you. I was living in my own moment. I had no, I wasn't reaching out. I wasn't desperate. I w- I was, but I didn't know it. You know, my mind was a lie in that moment, but I was laying there. And you
0: weren't thinking about God, you were w- just in your own world, just doing your thing, everything's great.
1: Absolutely, I okay. wasn't thinking about God. I was laying there getting some sun out back, high on drugs, um, and listening to music. And then as I'm laying there, I feel something brush my face. It was like a wind. And, I, and I'm going to tell you what. I knew it wasn't normal. I knew what I felt was weird, right? Yeah. I knew it was strange. I didn't. I couldn't call it at the moment. But I know I felt something touch me, a wind that didn't feel like anything I'd felt before. So I you know, took my AirPods out. And I just kind of got to looking around, and I felt it again. Mm. And so at that Mm. point, I was like, what is going on, you know? And then I felt something speak into me, and it was the voice of God, and He said, you belong to me. And I promise you, in that moment, I saw my desperateness. (laughs) In that moment, I saw how desperate I was. It wasn't until that moment he said I belong to him. I saw how desperate for him that I was, how desperate I was to be saved. And you know what it was? It was love. It was love. You love me, God. You love me high right now. You love me listening to this filth. Yeah. You love me after year, after year, after year, after year of feeding this addiction and putting my life and my kids on the line. You love me. I belong to you. And I never felt. More love in them simple words. Just so simple and so sweet and just so, because it was love, pure love, and, yeah. and that's what I needed. I needed to be loved even though I wasn't worthy. I needed to be loved in my filth and in my sin. And, and so I, I had a moment with God where I lashed out. I'm, I was mad at God for saying I belong to him. I had the moment of reckoning where I was like, oh, my gosh, like, God loves me. He wants me. And then I thought to myself, then my, my um, you know, nature of reality, the human mind came. And it was like, how can I, be- I'm sick, God, Yeah. you, I'm sorry. I'm like, I'm sick. I'm like, you don't want me. I'm you. There's no way you could want me, you know? And so I had this reckoning with them and I was like-
0: Like you're Arya when you're wrestling with God right there in that moment. Right.
1: I, I remember looking up into the sky, I'd rolled over on my back cause I was laying on my stomach. And then I looked, I rolled over onto my back and I just started weeping. And I'm like, how can I belong to you? How can I belong to you? I'm sick. Look at me, look at me, I'm sick. And, you know, those were the only things that he that I actually felt him say in my heart. But then there was just, you know, a moment of, you know, communication and I bargained with him. I bargained with him. I remember sitting here, you know, one minute basking in my drug afflicted glory to 10 minutes later, really seeing my desperation. It was like he gave me a highlight reel. You know, he was like, Sandra, look at this. This isn't who you are. You belong to me. This isn't your life. And I remember having a moment of being desperate, knowing I needed him, was blown away and and, and was in awe because he loved me anyway. Mm. And then I bargained with him. And when you look at it, it looks like who bargains with God? What was
0: the bargain? Do you remember? Yeah, absolutely.
1: I was like, "If, if I belong to you, take this from me. If I belong to you, take this from me. And that's what I said. I was like, if I belong to you, take yeah. this. And I and I remember I, I remember sitting up. I was on like a stoop. And I remember sitting up and I was like, take the meth, take the needle, yeah. take it and I just started naming it all. And I said, Just take it. If mm-hmm. I'm yours, take it and I you know, and and I and I remember crying and weeping and weeping and then I'm gonna be honest with you, Jeremiah, I had that moment. I cried, I wept, I bargained with him, and then I went right back to my addiction. I, I didn't get high again after that point, but that's because I don't remember if I was either out or just worn out and tired, but I remember just thinking, you know, I have to have an hour outside, I have my moment with God, he told me I belonged to him, I had this reckoning where I saw all my sin and I saw all my d- despair and I saw how really sick I truly was. Even though for a drug addict, looking around, my situation was grand. But he took me to a place out of love yes. by him loving me. Yes. Because in my mind, it was always, oh, God, I'll get better and I'll find you. Oh, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get off the drugs and I'm going to go back to church. <laughs> because, you know, you have those childhood memories. And that was the only thing I ever could look back on where I felt safe mm. or normal because yeah. I'd been sick for so long. I mean, I literally started the drinking and the boozing and all that when I was 16, 17. So I always would look back and I would just see myself as a little girl in church. And it was because that's the only, the last time in my life where I felt peace or sobriety or safety or normalness. Yes. so, um, you know, I'd always would think to myself, well, one day I'll get sober. One day I'm going to get off these drugs and I'm going to go to church and I'm going to find God. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking that, you know, and God found me, you know, God found me high on drugs, listening to raunchy music in in my backyard. He touched a wind in my face and he spoke directly into me. He brought me into my realization of my sin and my disparity and how sick I really was. (laughs) And then I, like I said, I bargained with him. And I'm gonna be honest, after that moment, you know, hour or so in the back of just, you know, crying and weeping and bargaining with God, I I literally got up and I went about my business. In my mind, I just thought it was a moment. I thought it was a moment. So, you know, I went to bed that night and I'm gonna be honest with you, Jeremiah. I don't know if it was because I ran out or if because I was just tired after, you know, three, four days of being up. But regardless, I went to bed. Yeah. And so I went to sleep that night and I had every intention. Of waking up the next day and getting a hold of my my person, yeah. and have them bring me a little care package, and when I woke up the next morning, believe me, I didn't pick up that phone because the full desire was gone. Mm. Not only was the desire gone, I woke up the next morning different, and and that's how God wanted to do it because in that moment. You would have think I'd have been like, okay, if I belong to you, take the meth, take the needle, take this, take that. He would have did it right then, yeah. but that wasn't how he wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, I walked away from my backyard thinking I'm still going to be a junkie tomorrow. I'm still going to get high tomorrow. And when I went to sleep that night, I felt like whatever was attached to me, whatever, uh, you know, chains were on me, whatever, addictions, all of it, he removed from me as I slept. There's Hallelujah. no other way to explain it. Hallelujah. Because I woke up the next day and I was different. I had no desire. The desire was gone and I've never touched, you know, hard drugs. I've never touched a needle and I've never wow. had any desire.
0: So like that that tormenting voice, that voice was that gone, was just gone. Gone.
1: And and I feel like in that moment waking up the next morning being completely delivered and the, this taunting feeling that, that I had for so many years, it being gone, that's what made me feel like something was attached to me. By, by picking up, you know, drugs, those hard drugs, and getting into that world, I let something cling yeah. to me. I, yeah. You know, I'm going to be honest, because that taunting was gone. That That voice inside of me, you know, like, you're oh going to get God. high. You need those drugs, you know. So I woke up the next morning, and the desire was gone. The desire and I wanna tell you, Jeremiah, the meth was not my addiction. The meth was my addiction, but it was the the needle. It was the syringe. The whole, uh, to me, it was like a ceremony, like getting everything together and just the whole act of it, you know, drawing it out. I mean, it was just the whole addiction, just the whole setting it up. And it wasn't even always just the drug itself. I was addicted to the needle. I was addicted to everything that came along with it. And for me to wake up, for me to go to sleep, for me to be who I was and sick for as many years as I was and to be a junkie one day addicted to a needle, addicted to methamphetamines, to go to bed and then wake up and it be gone. I mean.
0: That's a miracle.
1: (laughs) That is a miracle. That is a miracle. That is a miracle.
0: It's a miracle. That's our God. Um, I mean, wow.
1: I mean, a miracle, and sometimes I'm like, why me? You know, why me? Um, but I feel like everybody, God touches everyone in a different way. We all yeah. have our own hearts and we all have our own love language with him. And I feel like for me, maybe that's how it would have had to been. Yeah. I don't know, but you know, I know that that's my testimony. That's my experience. And um, and I remember, I remember knowing. It was like The blood of Jesus Christ just set me free. Amen. The blood of Jesus Christ just set me free. I remember my phone was ringing that day, and I had people trying to get high or give me stuff. No desire. Desire gone. I picked up my phone, and I literally told this guy who was supplying my drugs for the last six months for me that I was sleeping with while I had my now husband. Um, You know, I was on this side sleeping with him for drugs. This was a bad situation. And I remember telling him, after him calling four or five times, this was the next day after Jesus delivered me in my sleep, I said, I'm done. That I'm done and he goes yeah okay like he did not take me serious but I didn't care because I knew in my heart <laughs> their <laughs> desire was gone I didn't have a taste for it I didn't want it anything syringe anything had to do with drugs they got thrown out I had no desire it was gone and I remember thinking the blood of Jesus Christ just set me free yes. and I remember still there being this doubt because you've been a junkie for so long and you've been addicted for so long and there's been that taunting and that urge and desire for so long that I needed a, a, another night. You know what I mean? Sleep all the I, 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 I'm like, Let me go to bed one more time and wake up. This may have be been a fluke. Maybe this was a... And When I woke up the next day and the desire was still gone, I'm going to tell you what, Jeremiah, that's when there was like this reckoning where I was like, okay... The blood of Jesus Christ just set me free. He's real. Mm. He's not just a God that lives in the sky. He yes. sent His Son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ died for me in my sickly flesh yes. and my sins. And he's came to save me. He came to save the lost. He set me free in my sleep. Now, I woke up changed, delivered, and restored. And I remember, Jeremiah, for days, I, I was down. We had a base, our bedroom was in the basement. I was on my floor sobbing on my knees I it was like he was right in front of me like I didn't see him but in my mind I was picturing at his feet just bow, I remember being like wow. this I remember being like this for like an hour just, just sobbing down. and just bowing to my king because mm. what methadone couldn't do I, you know um, years of trying to get sober on my own near-death experiences almost losing my kid it didn't matter I kept getting high I couldn't stop Jesus Christ did in one night. 12 years of addiction, Jesus Christ did it in one Sweet. night. He did it in one night. And I just, I, 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 Jeremiah, it was the greatest feeling. I remember like the third day I woke up, I was looking up at the sky. I was like, I have a Lord, yes. I have a Lord. And I used to just, I used to hate the thought of having a Lord. I used yeah. to hate the thought of having a God who wanted me to be perfect to do this and that. But then I really grasped by my own testimony and my own experience, what Jesus Christ really was and who he was yes. and and I and I was proud. <laughs> I was proud. I was like, you're my Lord. And I remember being so excited. I was like, I have a Lord. I'm like, you know two weeks ago I, that would have never came out of my mouth. I'm not gonna wake up I'm like I have a Lord
0: yeah.
1: because he wasn't my Lord, He was a God. Yeah. He was a God that yes I believed in. yes, I got baptized, but I didn't know the, the full story. I didn't really understand the depth of it. You know, the gospel of Jesus Christ is so simple. It's a childlike faith, but yet to me it's so complex because it's so much more than that. He has so much more to offer than Mm -hmm. just you saying a a prayer or or believing something and then walking away and continuing to live a certain way or have certain you know, chains, or, or sicknesses, or, or issues. I mean, you don't have to live that way.
0: So what you're describing is the difference between religion, yeah, set of rules, works-based faith, yeah, and actual encounter, relationship, a walking with God daily. Mm-hmm. You were know, bowing to Him as if He was mm-hmm. right there mm-hmm. with you, and He was, mm-hmm. because His hand touched you yeah. and delivered you yeah. completely.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Praise the Lord. Yeah. There is hope for everyone, isn't there? Yeah. There is hope.
1: There's hope for everyone, and it doesn't end there, you know. Ever since then, I'm involved. I'm I, I'm a great mom. Let me tell you something. Yeah. This is only God. He, 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 he doesn't stop either. He didn't just deliver me that day radically. He didn't just perform a miracle on me and say, okay, you're good now after a few days. No, He continues every day to... to to bless me and guide me and teach me and mold me and prune me. And do I still fall short? Yes, yes. I I wish I was better, but he loved me at my worst state, And he's going to love me today. And his grace and mercy is new every morning. And I have a job now, right, for 12, 13 years, I was a junkie on the street who sold my body and, and injected drugs into my veins. And now I give drug tests to people. Hmm. I do interviews. I help people find jobs. Yes. I do background checks. Yes. People trust me, and it's because of the changes that Jesus Christ has put on my life. There's a corporate place out there that says we want Cassandra to come That's work right. for us. You and, didn't
0: graduate high school. And I didn't graduate high come school. On. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. here I am
1: working in the co- corporate world. People depend on me, and and like it's just a lifestyle. I, I live for him. He's my king. Yes. So I have no choice. I'm in love. (laughs) I'm in love.
0: Yeah, so I mean, you're doing a good job at explaining just how you feel now. And I I Mm -hmm. appreciate that because like a lot of people, even people that might say they're Christians, they don't experience that closeness that you even have with him.
1: Yeah. And kind of retreating back, you know, I knew, I knew. And I think when I said that I had this reckoning and I realized, okay, Jesus Christ came. His blood just healed me. Just delivered me in my sleep. It was His blood, right? It was mm-hmm. the blood of Jesus Christ, and that came over me. And then there was a, oh no, oh no. I I only knew religion. And then I was sad for other people because I was like, if this has happened to me, you know, then then what about other people who maybe. Are experiencing the same thing like they don't know God they're not really reborn again because it's a real thing yeah being reborn again being filled with the Holy Spirit um, having that um, regeneration I guess yeah. being regenerated I, mean, I don't know and that's one of the reasons I reached out to my mom and I said mom you don't know him like I know him and that is exactly what I meant and she knew what I meant my they only knew religion and that's why they they did the church thing for 18 years and then steered away because when you know Jesus Christ, you don't steer away. Mm. You might mess up, you might fall short. but once you know the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, that's a forever
0: thing. Yes, it is
1: because his love rocks you so hard. there's no turning away from it. Mm. And, and you might fumble, you might mess up, you know you might have some you know, maybe even a little falling away here or there and he reels you right back in, but you don't go. 15 20 years without speaking his name you don't go you know 10 15 years without serving again yeah. you don't believe me when you're born again in Jesus Christ dwells inside of you he is the topic of your conversation Amen. day in and day out and that's why I'd reached out to my family and you know my mom and told her like mom I want you to know him like I know him and I said please Ask him. I said, just pray to my Mama. I said, just say, Jesus, show me what my daughter knows. Show me what she says I, that she knows something that I don't. Would you show me? The next day, he showed her. Oh, he fell upon her, and now on. my whole family is running a church and serving. And every time I go there for Christmas, this last Christmas and Thanksgiving, that's all they talk about is the Lord.
0: Oh, yes.
1: That's all they talk about. And I'm just. And I just want anyone who's struggling and just to be able to know Jesus Christ like I know Him, so that He can pull you out of it and He can continue to walk with you for the rest of this life. Don't do it without Him.
0: Amen. And He will. And he will. He's faithful. Amen. Bible says that you know God does not want to see anyone perish, but He wants yeah. to have mercy on everyone. Mm-hmm. And and I got to read this from uh, the Gospel of John, chapter three. Let's go. Verse 7, where Mm -hmm. Jesus is talking to Nicodemus about the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. You know, and he's talking to a Pharisee. He's talking to a religious person, right? Someone that does all the right things, all the good works. And he says, you should not be surprised at my saying that you must be born again. Mm. The wind, right? The wind. (laughs) It blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Mm. We must be born again. Yeah. Must be born again.
1: Absolutely, And that's exactly
0: what it sounds like happened to you. Yeah. I mean, you said wind. It came uh, over well, me. Well,
1: you know, and it's like I didn't know Scripture like that. I mean, I grew up in church as a child, but I knew, like, Jesus loves me and the story of Noah and the ark. And I've never yeah. been that deep into Scripture to... You know, and when I started, you know, telling my story, people were probably like, oh, she's just saying that. Or, you know, or, she probably read a scripture. Like, I had, whenever this came upon me and whenever I was first started telling my testimony to people, that was just the authentic truth. And then as I became closer to the Lord of course you go into that stage where you have a good year of just like this nesting with him where he's like pouring into you and you're just in scripture and like this like yes on fire Mm. and I remember seeing scriptures and reading you know that scripture there in John and just being like oh my gosh like the wind and uh, already knowing like I had my own moment with that and it's so powerful that you know words that God, you know, spoke into existence thousands of years ago are, you know, still happening today.
0: You know, but it's like so awesome how true His words are and how they resonate and work today, you mm-hmm. know. Because even before that, He said, you can't even see the kingdom of God. Yeah. Unless you're born again. Right. Once you're born again, you know, I remember you saying, now I see everything so much differently. I can see where I was. I can see what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And you love me. And, and, mm-hmm. and you know what? You didn't mention it here, but I remember hearing you speak about this one time where you really felt like you were His daughter. You know, you were his daughter. Yeah, Mm. absolutely. Mm. And all of that. Thank you, Jesus. Well, I'll tell you what. I I always ask this question. Mm -hmm. And you've been speaking about the gospel this whole time. Everything you're talking about is the gospel or the good news of Jesus Christ. But, you know, all of us kind of share it differently. Mm -hmm. You know, how would you describe to our listeners what the gospel is to you? What is that good news?
1: So I think, you know, with my own testimony, what it really, you know, says to me is that God sent His one and only begotten Son, um, and He died. He took this, by His stripes we are healed. You know, His death um, and resurrection is the reason why, you know, we get to have everlasting life. And I I truly believe that I'm living proof of that, um, that He came to set the captives free, and He has the free gift of everlasting life, and and He wants it for all. He came to save humanity, And, um, and, and that's why things like this are so important, sharing your testimony, because it is hard to grasp on the other side looking in, yeah. but that truly is what the gospel is, is Jesus Christ came to save us and, and and restore us and deliver us and give us everlasting life. If we believe it, we can receive it and He has that gift for us. And Amen. It's as simple as that, but there's so much more to it, Yeah. That you know, moving forward, walking with Him and you are a child and I am a daughter of the King and, and there's it's a lifestyle and it's you wake up every day and you have that mindset even in your funky moments even in your you still know you're the child of the king yeah, <laughs> you still right. know you're the king's daughter or the king's son and 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 that's why you don't retreat back to that lifestyle or that's what gets you out of the hard times or that's what keeps you your peace of mind or gives you the strength to get through the moments or even your work week or just
0: you I know, was gonna it, ask you, yeah, yeah, what's that like? You know, because you're going through trouble, or you're going through trials. I mean, when you become a Christian, it's not like everything's perfect. No, absolutely. But we not. have, a, we have like an advocate, mm-hmm. or a comforter to be with us. You know, so what? You, you, how is things different for you now when you might experience some trial or struggle or hard time or something you're I just, struggling with?
1: I, you know, I, I just retreat back to Him. I talk to Him. I, You know, a lot of times he knows what I need or what I'm thinking before I say it, and he'll fill me with the peace. I mean, Jeremiah, there's times where I've had moments, and I've sobbed, and I've cried. And and I he hates to see me cry, and I know it because he just—I'll start wailing and crying, like, out of depression or sadness. You know, his last mm-hmm. few years, somethings may have went on, and all of a sudden, I just feel whew, this rush of peace, and he just— he just re- he reels it in and all of a sudden it's like uh, 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 I can't cry yeah. if I wanted to there's just this peace over me and he's done it so many times and it's, it amazes me but oh no he's just so <laughs> totally good different, huh? he's so good and of course you know going to church you know um, staying in the word i'm going to be honest i fall short of getting alone and going into my you know, qu- you know quiet yeah. place and actually reading the bible but I, I could be better at that, and I'll admit it. But he's still faithful, and he's still he's Amen. still there for me, and he still loves me just the same. That's right. I'm the one missing out, you know. It's yeah. not affecting our relationship, just the fact that I'm missing out on more intimacy that I could have. But I get him in. I get the scripture and when I can, like even if it's in the morning. I it takes me an hour to get ready because I like to do my hair and makeup for work every morning. And mm. you please believe that hour I'm getting ready. I have scripture playing in my ear. I'm talking to yeah. him. I'm saying, God. Be, be with me today, be my strength today, have a cover over me and my family. Um, let me be a light. And let me tell you about the opportunity that really helps me, you know, is I get to share the gospel at work. And this is how I know that oh. this job was from God. I can, you know, mid-interview give my testimony. I've done it hundreds of times. Yeah. It's, like it's not professional, but it's it's God and it's and he and he brings me to it. So how can no, you not
0: share something like that? No,
1: this? yeah, but, but I feel like the corporate world might not always appreciate that. Yeah. You know, I work for a corporate company who hires temp agents. You know, it's a temp yeah. agency. So. I'm sure there's a lot of places they wouldn't let me, but God put me somewhere where I can. Yes. My whole desk is decked out in scripture. Believe me, when you sit at my desk, you're getting a dose of Jesus Christ, yeah. whether you like it or not. I've taken people outside and prayed over them. I won't do it in the office, but I'll take them outside yeah. and pray for them. I'll give my, like I said, my testimony, mid-interview. Um people will see my scriptures and ask questions. This is so you know, man. I've been struggling, I see that scripture, and you know, please believe them. I'm like, ah, thank you, Jesus. Yeah. You're Open that door for me. And I pray for that. I pray for those times. And and I'll tell you what, getting through my hard times is, the best way I can explain getting through my life is is just to continuously be used by God. I, I promise you that's what brings me the most happiness. When he uses that's right. me, when he uses me, I, I get more joy out of life more than ever just to be used by him. And I'm he uses worried. you
0: for other people. He does. You know, loving your neighbor is not just a, a yeah. cute little saying, like that's our fulfillment. Right. That's what we're made for. Yes. Praise the Lord. Cause you're not saying that i I believe in Christianity. You're saying you are a Christian, right. so you can't just leave it at home. You take it with you wherever you go, right? Amen. You take Jesus with you everywhere Amen. and it's impacted lives.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Wow. I'm telling you, I could talk to you forever. I know. Like, I could, like you know, <laughs> I really could. Like, just talking about God and and hearing about all the things he's done, it just, it fills my heart, and I'm sure it's it's touching everybody that's listening right now. Yeah. Praise, Praise God. God. Praise God. Well, um, I want to thank you for coming on yeah, and sharing this beautiful story of God's Absolutely. deliverance in your life, and I just, I'm just a blown away like I always am. I'm so on this couch. Like, I just, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for never giving up on us
1: right amen
0: well would you like to pray with me to close out sure all right would you care to pray sure absolutely all right
1: so dear lord heavenly father i just thank you for this time um, I thank you for this opportunity to sit with my brother in Christ and just really talk about the truth of, um, you know, the miracles you've performed on my life, the miracles that you're still doing today. Yes. Um, Lord, we talk about the gospel, and, um, you know, I believe fullheartedly that you've came to save the lost and that you're still saving people and searching for your sheep today. I just pray for every heart that hears this message. Lord, maybe there's doubt. Maybe there's some some struggles or their own demons or addictions or things that they battle and they don't know a way out. Well, I promise you uh, your way out is Jesus Christ and just an inkling of faith or just to to reach out to him and ask him to show you something or maybe to do what I did and even bargain with him. He will take you up on the offer because he is who he says he is. He's the King of Kings and he is the Lord of Lords. And I'm I'm so thankful Father for this opportunity to speak the truth and and speak my testimony. Lord, may it give you glory and honor. Lord, may, may it touch and impact who's ever listening, may they receive out of this message what what it is for them that they are meant to receive. Um, Lord, I'm just so thankful for you. I'm thankful for this time. I'm thankful for what you've done in my life and just this opportunity, Lord, you never stop. You're faithful and you'll be my king and my savior for eternity, Lord. And just thank you so much and for whoever's listening. Um, I just pray for you, and I pray for your heart. And um, if you are a believer and you're a Christian, then I just pray for spiritual growth. Yes. And I pray for you to walk boldly in what God's calling you to. And if you're still searching today, I pray that you know Jesus Christ penetrates your heart and you find the answers you've been looking for and, and you can be set free like um, we are. And thank you so much, Lord, for this time. And thank you for this opportunity. And this is all for your glory, Lord, in your precious holy name.
0: Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Cassandra from Granite City. <laughs> yeah. From Granite City. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Wow. Wow. I always cry. That's good.
1: <laughs> I hope so. I hope yeah. it was was Yeah. It's God's story, not mine. That's what makes it good.
0: Thanks for joining us in the Truth Be Told podcast in this episode. As we heard from Cassandra and about how God has transformed her life, making her into a new person I'd like to close by reading from two Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17 one more time where it says therefore if anyone is in Christ he is a new creation the old is passed away behold the new has come and so we hope that this encouraged you on your walk in your faith in your life as you can see that it doesn't matter where you come from what you've done the Lord will meet you right where you are and he wants to pour his love upon your heart and call you son or call you daughter. If you enjoyed this podcast, please help us get it to a wider audience by liking, subscribing, or following on whatever media platform that you're listening or watching on. And thanks again for joining us in the Truth Be Told podcast. God bless.